Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Nick from Nick the American. I am one day away from my second surgery, but before I get into any of that, I want to apologize for episode 13, last episode. I talked about Jared Kushner receiving three plus billion dollars uh, from the Saudi the Saudi government to you know for his hedge fund. And the reason why I, I was wrong, it was two billion. And I bring this up because we live in a day and age where the media is constantly bullshitting us, fudging the truth. Politicians are doing the same thing. We saw Fox News have to pay nearly a billion dollars for a campaign of election fraud lying that they that they did to you or did to us, the American people. And so I said Kushner got three, three plus billion dollars. I was a billion, billion and a half off. And that matters. I bring it up because I do not want to lie to you on this show. I do not want to bullshit you on this show because we get enough of that. We get enough of that. And so when I'm wrong, I want to stand up. I want to raise my hand and say, hey, I fucked up. And when you talk for 40 minutes straight, you're going to fuck up. You're going, you know, I, I say things sometimes I, I, I hear it played back and I go, oh, that doesn't sound good or that wasn't quite right. But when I get a number or a figure wrong, like I did with Jared Kushner's hedge fund uh, being three, three plus billion dollars, and it was actually two billion I want to let you know, I'm here to tell you the truth to the best of my ability and not bullshit you, okay? So I want to get that out of the way. And, and, and the reason why I brought up Jared Kushner when we were talking about Hunter Biden was I just wanted you to compare and contrast. Imagine if Jared, excuse me, if Hunter Biden took a position within the White House, Obama White House, Biden White House, with no political experience. He was called the chief of everything, cozied up to the Saudis, and then took $2 billion for a hedge fund when he left office. Tell me, I don't care what planet you're on, what side of the aisle you're on, tell me the House Republicans, if that was Hunter Biden, wouldn't be salivating like they just found El Dorado, the city of gold. They would. They would. And so that's why I brought it up. Apples to apples is important. Let's call a spade a spade. Let's make sure that two plus two always equals four on Nick the American. It's important for me to tell you the damn truth. Okay. I didn't quite tell you the truth the last episode, and I apologize from the bottom of my heart. Well, and, and oh, oh, one other thing, I got a shout out, a shout out to the Republican House Freedom Caucus, the super ultra conservative House Freedom Caucus that, you know, I talked about Jim Jordan defeating John Boehner and Paul Ryan, uh, the last two Republican speakers uh, prior to Kevin McCarthy. The House Freedom Caucus says no to everything. They're very conservative they will not vote for anything, especially any sort of funding increase when it comes to government. But this ultra-conservative House Freedom Caucus, what did they do this past week? They kicked Machine Gun Taylor Green to the fucking curb. Even she is too crazy for the House Freedom Caucus. So good for you, House Freedom Caucus. I think 
the reason why they booted her, she called Lauren Bobbert, the representative from the state of Colorado. She called her a little bitch on the House floor, and that was apparently too much for the House Republicans. But good for you. You, you, you got a little, little saner when you get somebody like Machine Gun Taylor Green out of your caucus. You don't need that. And by the way, did anybody see Machine Gun Taylor Green, the photo? She had like a, some sort of machine gun, some sort of automatic weapon. She's in a Humvee. She's in front of the Capitol. And it says Battleground. Honey, honey, those are not good optics, especially with what happened in January on January 6th. What the fuck is the matter with you? What's the obsession with automatic weapons? Come on, Machine Gun Taylor Green. You want good optics. You get a hold. My people are trying to get a hold of your people. That sex tape is going to be amazing optics for you. Everyone's going to love it. You're going to get to show off all your moves. Come on, Machine Gun Taylor Green. Stand up, House Freedom Caucus. Good for you. Got a little saner. Less is more. More is less. Addition by subtraction. You don't need that dumb bitch. And I try not to be too divisive on this show. But Machine Gun Taylor Green deserves every bit of that. So. Okay. You know, so... I go, I go in for surgery tomorrow for the second time, and I know some of you guys are tired of me talking about my kidney stone. Some of you guys aren't. Oh, it's the best part of your show, Nick. Everything else fucking sucks, which, you know, maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. But for several days post-surgery, it's got the 22nd was my last surgery. So we're talking, we're three full weeks away. I've had three weeks now I've had a stint in. And people have asked me, well, do you have sex with the stint in? It's from your kidney to your, your, your wang, right? Do you have sex? And for several days, several days, that's the last thing on your mind. You're just trying to survive. You're trying to make sure your, your member down there is okay because you love him to death. You know, you've been with them forever, right? You and your buddy. You, you've done a lot of good things together, right? Yeah, well, you created four kids together. So people ask me about sex and... As time went on and, and you get more comfortable with your stint and more comfortable with your body and, and you know how to manage the pain, I actually had intercourse. <gasps> and I don't want to get too graphic about any of this. But after, afterwards, I thought about it. And it was you know, the best comparison I can give you. And this is, this is the honest to God's truth, ladies and gentlemen. My wife was like, this reminded me of the 1988 World Series in Game 1. Me having sex with my wife, with a stint in, okay? My wife was essentially Tommy Lasorda. She calls on Nick, the American, a.k.a. Kirk Gibson, to come on into the bedroom. And like Kirk Gibson, I hobbled up to the plate, barely made it up there. I, I put some horrid swings on some balls, but I managed to work the count. I worked that damn count, and I was able to get through it. And eventually, I got a hold of a 3-2 pitch, and I literally knocked it out of the park. I hobbled around those bases, and in, and, and in the, the great Vin Scully 
the improbable turned into the possible. And in the words of the great Jack Buck, I don't believe what I just saw. Gibson swings and a fly ball to deep right field. This is going to be a home run. Unbelievable. A home run for Gibson. And the Dodgers have won the game 5-4. to four. I don't believe what I just saw. I don't believe what I just saw. So my wife's going to kill me about this, but basically... Sex with my wife with a stint in was a lot like game one of the 88 World Series. Dennis Eckersley throwing that infamous 3-2 pitch to Kirk Gibson and knocking it out of the park. Watching him limp around the bases. Watching him put some really awful swings on some balls before he hit, hit, hit that ball out. I had no business being in that bedroom. But like Kirk, I stepped to the plate. And I knocked it out of the park for my wife. That's what I did. And by the way, I actually watched that at bat because I was laughing thinking about this kind of comparison. That at bat lasted like eight or nine minutes. He, he was down 0-2. He worked the count to 3-2. And when I, he put some, some swings that this you couldn't hit a ball out with some of these swings if your life depended on it. I don't know how Kirk Gibson hit that damn home run. To this day, I do not know. So do yourself a favor. Forget sex with a stint. Go watch that at bat. Kirk Gibson, Dennis Eckersley, and tell me what you think. If that, I don't know if I believe in divine intervention, but my goodness, was there a higher power that intervened during that at bat that allowed Kirk Gibson to get that ball out of Chavez Ravine? Maybe. Maybe. Stand up, Nick the American. You had your Kirk Gibson moment. Pretty damn impressive. Really gave it to her. <laughs> My kids are going to love that. They're going to hate me forever. Oh, moving forward, moving forward. By the way, I'm going through a bout of depression right now. I'm in pain. I don't feel good. I am so ready to get this surgery done. I've got PTSD. I just have not been myself in several months, and I'm getting fucking tired of it. I know you guys are probably tired of hearing about it. Hopefully only one more episode maybe that I talk about it, and we can move on. We can just put a period at the end of the chapter and move the, the hell forward. Please, I want to move forward. All right. So, I live in Seattle, Washington, the Pacific Northwest. I mean, the most beautiful place on earth. I'm telling you what, you drive over I-5 on a sunny day in the summer, and you're going south, and you've got Lake Union on your right. You've got Husky Stadium and Montlake on your left, and Mount Rainier is looking right at you. She is the most beautiful thing in the country. The scenery is incredible. We live up here in the Pacific Northwest, and 
I swear you can see this. You see this three or four times a day. People have Sasquatch stickers. They've got them on the backs of their cars, their bumper stickers. You see them on people's water bottles. The Sasquatch, this mythical beast, is omnipresent in our society. We have sightings, not just in the United States, all over the world. Sasquatch, Bigfoot, Yeti. And I saw, I saw a poll that 50%, 50% of Americans believe that the Bigfoot, the Sasquatch, is real. And being from the Northwest, you see all these bumper stickers and all that sort of stuff. This is like one of the hotbeds in the entire world for Bigfoot sightings. He's up, you know, he's up in our, our, our forests somewhere, up in our mountain ranges somewhere. Correct or incorrect. And so I just, I, I'm baffled. I shake my head at the idea that 50% of Americans believe in Bigfoot. They believe in Harry and the Hendersons. Now, I want to believe in Bigfoot. Oh my goodness, how cool would that be if this, this beast... This gentle giant, this wild animal was not a myth, not make-believe, but real. It'd be absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. But I got news for you, folks. There is no fucking Bigfoot. There is no Sasquatch. And I have people look at me cockeyed. Well, why do you believe that? Why, why do you think no? And the reason is we have just millions of sightings, maybe not millions, hundreds of thousands of sightings. You can look at a heat map of the sightings. There are sightings. We've got video footage, supposedly. But what don't we have? What don't we have, guys, gals? Do we have hair from the Sasquatch? Do we have a, a bone from Bigfoot? Do we have a body? Skeletal remains? Surely, if he walks among us, if she, there's got to be she Bigfoots too, right? If they walk among us in present day, how the fuck is it possible to not at some point find skeletal remains of this mythical creature? We can find a T-Rex from millions of years ago all over the globe we can we, we can find bones of all of these different we can find a what a mastodon a woolly mammoth from 250,000 years ago in the dirt or the ice but we can't find this creature who supposedly walks among us as much as i would love to believe that bigfoot is real there's no way he's real there's absolutely no way he could walk among us and us never find any sort of remains of this creature. Now, this goes into conspiracy theories. Of course, we believe in conspiracy theories in the United States. We covered this many episodes ago on you know just, just the notion of conspiracy theories. They're sexy. They're fun. People want to believe there's Bigfoot. I want to believe it too. 
But I need evidence. I need proof. And we have none of that. None of that. And none of it's coming anytime soon. Anytime soon. I guess, staying on the topic of the Sasquatch, why doesn't Marvel come up with a new superhero? Why can't there be a Sasquatch or a Bigfoot? Maybe he, maybe, guys, maybe she, excuse me there, I don't want to, I want to be, you know, I want to give equal time to males and females, because that's the kind of guy I am. But maybe this Sasquatch is, is, has a world like Wakanda. They can jump in and out, and that's what, they're like shapeshifters, and maybe it's like Predator, the movie Predator. Get to the chopper! They're kind of invisible. Maybe you could sell me on Bigfoot being real if he actually could be invisible. Maybe there's a whole nother world inside the mountains or the forests or somewhere up in the Himalayas where this whole world of Sasquatches exist. There's baby Sasquatches and mama Sasquatches and cousins and uncles. They've got awesome technology and they've been able to keep themselves essentially a hidden secret from the rest of the world, even though everyone believes in them, or half the country, half the world believes in them. Come on, Marvel. Let's make a Sasquatch superhero. Let's make a Bigfoot, not a Harry and the Hendersons. Let's make a whole world of these Bigfoots. And they can explain to us how they've kept this giant myth a secret for so long. I think it would be pretty cool. I would definitely tune into that. Bigfoot for kind of like a whole Wakanda from Black Panther, except for it's Bigfoot. Maybe they don't have vibranium. Maybe they have something else, but they can be invisible. They can jump into our world. They can jump out of it. I think it'd be cool. But keep this in mind. 50% of us believe in Bigfoot. And there is literally zero evidence. Let's wake up a little bit. Let's wake up a little bit. Please, let's wake up a little bit. All right. I'm a Pacific Northwest guy. God, I want there to be a Bigfoot. But there isn't. There isn't. Okay. We have not talked presidential primary politics in a while. I told you we were going to update everything. We're going to update everything. Let's look at the GOP. Let's look at the Republican side first. I've got some advice for the Republicans. My goodness. If you're going to run against Donald Trump, fucking run against him. Go after him. You see all of these Republican pretenders... And Ron DeSantos right now kind of looks like a pretender. They're all afraid to go after Trump. He's been indicted twice. He's going to be indicted a third, maybe a fourth time. And all of the Republicans outside of Chris Christie, who probably has zero chance to win, Chris Christie's coming after him like, like he should. Like, like any politician... In any time in our, our, our nation's history would go after somebody with all the ammunition you have on Trump. Trump will use ammunition on you that are blanks, that's totally fake. He'll make shit up. He doesn't matter. If Trump was running against, if Ron DeSantos had been indicted twice, 
if he was a fucking a porn star while while he was married, you can bet your ass Trump would come after you with everything in his power. So why can't you afford Trump the same? Why can't you do the same thing to him? Quit being a bunch of pussies, Republican primary candidates. All of you guys need to stand up and go after him collectively. You're going to go after him on um, gay and lesbian issues because that's a hot, hot, hot button right now. Oh, Trump backs the gays. Go after him on being indicted twice. All the evidence is there. It's so easy. Go after him. But you won't. Chris Christie's the only one. DeSantos doesn't look good right now, does he? He does not. He, he it was going to be Ron versus Don. Oh, boy. Don looks like he's kicking his ass. I saw I saw polling in Florida that he's 20 points ahead in, in Ron's own state, even though that's Trump's state, too. Make no mistake. Florida, not New York, is Donald Trump's state. But if Ron can't carry Florida, then what the hell is the point, Ron? You got to decide to run against this guy or just, just go be the governor of Florida. And you and Don, if, if you want to be friends with Trump so bad, then just step down and, and continue on your gubernatorial duties. Now, there's two guys that have not declared in the Republican Party. Uh, oh, let me back up for a second. I'm looking at the field, and I don't really see. I thought it was going to be Ron to defeat Don. It doesn't look like it right now. And you look at Tim Scott. You look at Nikki Haley. You look at Chris Christie, Asia Hutchinson. None of, none of, none of them are going to win. Absolutely none of them. Don is your nominee, and you're probably most likely 100% fucked if he's your nominee. But there's two guys that have not entered the race, both of them are governors, that I believe have a really good chance at winning a national election, a general election against Biden or whoever the Democrats put up. And that's Glenn Youngkin, the governor of Virginia, and that's Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia. Democrats have kind of you know, they put Georgia in play. They beat Trump in Georgia. That you know, Georgia is is a state that's in play. Not if Brian Kemp is the nominee, it's not in play. Democrats hold no fucking shot. Virginia is a state that Democrats have taken control of in the past what three or three or four presidential elections when it had gone Republican forever. Glenn Young can carry Virginia, and if so, he's your winner. We, we talked about this. Brian Kemp and Glenn Youngkin, to me, are the Republican wild cards. But if either one of them is going to, to jump into the race and nab the nomination from Donnie, it's not just going to be one Republican that does it. You guys are going to have to stand up the, the 8 or 9 or 15 or 12 Republicans at the debate need to go at him like a football team all together. Boom, 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 boom. Keep fucking hitting him. Keep hitting him with facts. Hit him on January 6th. Hit him with Zelensky and how he ex tried to extort him. 
hit him with fucking Stormy Daniels while he was married to Melania. Go after the son of a bitch. And it's got to be together. I think if it's together, you guys would feel safer. And maybe the Republican Party would coalesce around the idea a little bit more. But if it's just Chris Christie, if it's just Chris Christie and Asia Hutchinson, then I, I don't think it's going to work. So, Ron DeSantis, you get a you, you got to are you going to run for president or not? Grow some fucking balls, dude. Go after him or or get back go back to Florida. Glenn Youngkin, Brian Kemp, if you guys are going to enter the race, go after your king. Put an end to this madness. Young Kid and Kemp, there's your wild cards right there on the GOP side. All right, let's look at the Democratic side. We got Grandpa Joe Biden. Come on, man. And and I I talked to many, many episodes ago about if you put a gun to my head, is Biden running? I don't know what I said. 70, 30, he is running. And it appears that he's running. But to me, it also appears that Gavin Newsom is going to, at some point, declare himself a candidate for president of the United States. And if he does so, if it was Newsom versus Biden, it's over. Newsom's going to win. The California liberal is going to mop the floor with Joe Biden. The Democratic Party, to its credit, it's not like the Republican Party where Boy, you just will not cross Trump under any circumstance. Scared to death of his constituents, scared to death of him, just he will ruin your political career or so you think. Not so the democratic side, we're done with Biden. Somebody 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 worthwhile, somebody with some brains, somebody with the vehicle to actually run a, a, a national campaign, step up. And the nomination is yours. The question I have, if and when Gavin Newsom decides to throw his hat in, does that open the floodgates for three or four more competent Democrats to run? Does that does that mean Roy Cooper, governor of North Carolina? Does that mean Roy says, you know what? The time is now. I can beat Gavin Newsom, the California liberal. I can beat him in a national race. I can carry Georgia. I can carry North Carolina. Can the California liberal Gavin Newsom carry North Carolina or Georgia? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. The thing that's appealing about Gavin, he's young. He's kind of the opposite of Biden. He's very bright. Not that Biden isn't bright, but he's definitely way past his prime. He knows how to attack people. He's an excellent debater, and I, I, I can promise you this. Republicans, Democrats, listen to me here. If Newsom steps up and becomes the nominee, what chance is there that Donald Trump, the Republican nominee, if he ends up being that, debates Gavin Newsom one-on-one? -on -one? What kind of odds do you give me that Trump, Trump debates him? I'm telling you what, there's no way in hell a 76, 77-year-old Donald Trump with everything that he's done stands up in front of Gavin Newsom, who's young, good-looking, energetic, super smart, knows the history of our country, knows the issues 10 times better than Trump. 
Yes, I get it. I get it. I get it. He's super liberal. He's from California. That's not going to play over there in the South in certain states, some of the swing states that you need. But I promise you, Trump will never debate him one-on-one. And like I told you, already picture it. If Newsom was the nominee, Trump is going to be telling you how much harder and how much longer his son fucked Kimberly Guilfoyle. That's the reason why she left him, left Gavin. His dick wasn't big enough. Little Gavin, little Gavin, big Don Jr., big Don, but not bigger than Don Sr., let's face it, not bigger than Don Sr. So, that's kind of all I have on the Democratic side. I get a feeling. I told you Gavin's wanted to be president his entire life, definitely the last 10, 15 years. Biding his time. He's Biden his time. He's Biden his time. He's Joe Biden his time. To make his move and declare himself a candidate for president. How it all plays out, we'll talk about that. But how much how much better off would we be just from a sanity perspective? If we, let's say, we had Gavin Newsom was the Democratic nominee for president. And Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, was the Republican nominee for president. How, boy, what a refreshing thing to have happen for this country. Please, Kemp, Youngkin, step up. Gavin, bide in your time. At some point, jump in, baby. We need some sanity. Okay, all right. There's the politics for the day. I hope you really enjoyed. Did you enjoy it? I did. We just had 4th of July, and uh, I geared up all my energy. We went over to a friend's friend's, uh, house in uh, Gig Harbor, Horsehead Bay. Oh, my goodness. It's incredible. Friends have a gorgeous house there. And you know what I did? I brought over something that is, it's about as American as apple pie. The tomahawk steak. Have you guys ever cooked a tomahawk steak? It basically, basically, it's a fancy ribeye. It is a ribeye, but you we're talking two, three inches, three and a half inches thick. Mine were like three inches thick, and just the look of the tomahawk with the long bone is badass. Uh, you know, I talked about the AR-15. Sometimes when when Republicans hold it, it makes their dick hard. I hold that bone in my hand, that big, huge piece of meat when I'm lathering it up with olive oil and my favorite rub before I sear it and stick it in the oven. And, 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 and it gets me excited down there, too. Even with a stint in, it gets me excited. Son of a gun. I'm telling you what. Costco, I think I bought them three different times in the last month. Okay, no wonder why I have kidney stones. I like red meat. I'm an American for crying out loud. But Costco, you can get two of these tomahawks. And I know it's probably a limited time. You're going to run into Costco and they're not going to be there. But whenever Fred Meyer does it sometimes. Fred Meyer does it sometimes too. And usually it's like Father's Day, 4th of July, you know, some Christmas when you can find them. And when you do find them, 
They're on sale. You were getting two gigantic tomahawks at Costco for between 50 and 60 bucks. If I walk into Safeway right now or Albertsons or whatever your Publix or wherever, for 50 bucks, I'm going to get like these skinny New Yorks that look like absolute shit. For 50 to 60 bucks at Costco, you can get two of the most gorgeous looking tomahawks that you've ever seen in your life. And your family is going to love you. If you take them to a party, everyone is going to love you. And the cooking is so simple. Lather them up in olive oil. Throw a, a, a steak rub all over them, liberally. Get it all over. Get it on the bone. Get it everywhere. And you can sear it in a pan really quick. Basically, that's what you do. Get, get that olive oil in the pan nice and hot. Give it a sear on every little side you can. Elevate it in a pan on like a grate and stick it in the oven at 400, 405 degrees for 45 minutes. Get it to like 125 degrees internal temperature. And I'm telling you, when you slice that thing on the side, it, it's not, I know it's, it's, it's a ribeye, but this is a three inch ribeye. And when you slice it, you know, it, it, it's it's like it's a beef rib and it's a ribeye on steroids. That's what the tomahawk is. God, I'm getting excited thinking about it. You get an opportunity and you're in Fred Meyer, or you're in Costco, you see those tomahawks, jump at the chance. I'm telling you what, tomahawk steak is part of what America is all about. Son of a gun. What day is it? It's the 11th. Right now I'm doing the 11th. So I've got my surgery tomorrow. We, I told you, I keep talking about it. I'm getting more and more excited. More and more excited. I'm talking about two fights here. One I'm excited about. One I'm not excited about. Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford. <laughs> I'm salivating. And so should you. So should you. These two badasses are going to go do battle on the 29th. I cannot wait. I'm going to have a big party. Hopefully, I'm in really good spirits. I'm not depressed. My spine's better. My stint is out. But regardless, even if it's not, I'm going to be fired up that night, the 29th, because these two sons of bitches are going to go at it. Mono Imano, best fight in 20 years. Maybe not hasn't been a matchup quite like this. Chavez Whitaker. Leonard Hearns won. They were a little younger, a little nastier maybe. But but this fight, I don't know who's going to win. And I've told you that, I've told you that, I've told you that. Tell your friends. Tell your uncles. Tell your girlfriends. Tell your girlfriend's girlfriends. That'd be nice. Ooh. Don't miss this fight. Now, I just there was another fight announced this morning as I woke up. Tyson Fury and Francis Nagano. You know what that does for me on the excitement factor? It does nothing. We have a boxer fighting a UFC heavyweight champ in the boxing ring. What do you think is going to happen? Fury's going to beat his ass. If Fury went over into the octagon against Francis Nagato, what do you think would happen? 
Well, Fury might bite his ear off, a la his father, John Fury, who actually did that, by the way, in a bar. I served prison time for it. These gypsies are crazy sons of bitches. Tyson Fury's a crazy son of a bitch. But these crossover fights, they don't do a lot for me. They're completely different disciplines. And one fighter, usually the MMA guy, has to cross over into the boxing ring. And, and, the, and good for Francis Nagano on this. And, and the reason why I say that, the downside of UFC, the one downside is that they don't get paid like the top professional boxers. And so hopefully the Saudis, this fight's going to be in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, because they're going to put up this giant site fee, probably a couple hundred million. And Nagano's going to receive a payday that he's never, ever received in his life. So good for you. Good for you. But he's still going to be in a boxing ring. He's still going to be fighting the heavyweight champ of the world. Or one of the heavyweight champs of the world, by the way. And the reason why this fight does not excite me the way Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford excite me is because Tyson Fury, listen to me, you stupid fucking gypsy. You should be fighting Alexander Usyk for the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world. And you didn't do that. You didn't do that. You priced yourself out with 70... For a guy who claims money's not important and lives in a Winnebago after he beats Vladimir Klitschko for his first heavyweight championship, the money's not important. All of a sudden, money's so big to the Gypsy King. Give us the fight that boxing fans needed, that we're calling for. You gave us this sideshow. So... I don't know if I'll watch it or not. I probably will. But I am not excited. I would have been excited for Tyson Fury. Here, here, here. Why don't we have a two-fight card? Tyson Fury versus Alexander Usyk and Francis Nagano versus John Jones. Can we get behind that, Saudis? Can we get behind that, Americans? Hell yes, we can. That's a fight card right there, baby. Ooh. All right. Lastly, but not leastly. Leastly, but not lastly. I think the very first episode of Nick of the American, I mentioned how revolutionary, how, how game-changing the bidet was for me. And I just want to let everybody know, you got to quit being an asshole to your asshole. If you have not gotten a bidet, you should be ashamed of yourself. You should be absolutely ashamed of yourself. Quit being an asshole to your asshole. Get a bidet. And tomorrow's my surgery. Wish me the best of luck. Or don't wish me any luck at all. I don't think it's really going to matter. It's whatever's going to happen, it's going to happen. Until the next time. Maybe I'll have a stint in next time you talk to me. Maybe I won't. But until the next time, stay safe. Hey, and go win. Go win at something. All right? I'll talk to you later, ladies and gentlemen. Love you. Goodbye.